0: Taking the promised land. Because I believe that God has a promised land for AFA. That, that God has more in store for us. That God has promised us land in our city, in our community. That, that God wants us to reach people like we've never done before. That there is fertile ground out there that God says we need to go and take. Right? A land flowing with milk and honey. But we need to be ready. And this series is all looking back at the, the Israelites' As they journeyed to the promised land, it it took them 40 years to finally get in there because they had to get their hearts right. They had to get their hearts right. They had to have the the right attitude to go in and take ground in the promised land. And so I believe that as we look at this and as we kind of look back and see where we've been, that, that God will help get our hearts right and prepare us for what he has next. Prepare us for the vision that lies ahead. Again, as we launch this in just a couple weeks, uh, God is preparing us so that we can go and we can take ground in our community. So if you got your Bibles, uh, why don't you open them up to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, we are going to continue looking at at, at the the path of the Israelites and, and the different things that they did. So after two years of Going out in the wilderness, you know, they've again they've been through the Red Sea, they've been to Mount Sinai. God's given them uh, the Ten Commandments, he, He's given them all the commandments for, for right living, He's given them the, the tabernacle, you know, all these different things out there. After two years, they finally reached the destination they were trying to get to all along, the promised land. And so what they did, God told Moses, hey, I want you to pick one person from each of the 12 tribes, and I want you to send them in just as spies to spy out the land, to go through and look. See what, see what it's like. See what the people are like. See what the cities are like. See if they're strong. See if they're weak. Uh, check out the ground. Is it fertile or is it hard? Check out the fruit of the land. What's it look like? So he, they said, go in and spy it out. Now, in today's technology, if you were going to go travel somewhere, you just pull out your phone and, you know, Google the city you're going to and see all the places to eat and all that stuff. They didn't have that back then, right? So they sent spies in to see how everything was going. And it took them 40 days to go and explore and, and, and see everything that Canaan, that this, this land that we now know as Israel, was about. It said that they came back and they brought, they picked a cluster, just one cluster of grapes from the land. And it was so large they had to hang it on a pole and two people had to carry it. So it was a fruitful land. So they came back 40 days later and they gave the report. So in verse 27, uh, this is the report the spies uh, gave. Verse 27 says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. So that was the the spy's report. But one spy, uh, verse 30, uh, his name was Caleb. It says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Forget about the, the people of Anak, who are giants. Forget about those, those big, forget about the fortified cities. We can do this. Verse 31, it says, but the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So the Israelites, uh, these, these spies, actually we find out later it was 10 of the spies, 10 out of 12 of them spread this bad report and said, all right, we spied out the land that God told us to go take, and we want to let you know we can't do it. We can't do it. We're too small. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. It, it, there's no chance. There's no chance. And, and they began to say, they began to weep, they began to cry. All of the Israelites are like, oh no, God, why did we've been on this journey for two years. Why did you bring us? Oh God, couldn't we go back to Egypt? Couldn't we go back? And only if, if we had just died in Egypt, if only we could go back to Egypt. You remember how that worked out for them last time. Not so good. But here they are two years later. They still haven't learned that lesson. They're still saying, remember when? Oh, remember when we didn't live among giants? Remember when we... And and they went back. And and that's what they said. And so in in Numbers 14, flip over a chapter. We're going to see Joshua and Caleb, the the two spies who didn't say that, their response. Uh, Verse 6 says this, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So Joshua and Caleb, they, they, they take some time, they pray, they tear their clothes. It's just a sign of humility, a sign of brokenness. And they say, guys, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. We've journeyed all this way just to give up. No, we need to go through because our God is with us. There may be giants over there, but we've got God on our side don't give up. Let's keep moving forward. You know, and they give this rah, rah speech, and they say, come on, let's do this. And so you know what the Israelites do? They don't listen. You think they get behind them, like, yeah, we could do it. No, it said and says they, they take up stones, and they, they want to go stone Joshua and Caleb. They want to kill them. They want to kill Joshua and Caleb for giving them this message. And because of this, because of their lack of faith, because they want to go back to Egypt, it said that God got angry with them. How many of you know you don't want God to be angry at you? Right? That's not a good place to be in. And it said he wanted to go send a plague and just wipe them off the face of the map. Off the face of the planet. You can't no long. And Moses came in at this point. He intervened and he says, God, please don't do that. Right? Then you wouldn't have anybody. You wouldn't have your people. Like, give us another shot, God. So God said, okay. I won't wipe them out like they deserve. Uh, But in verse 21, it says, Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. That's a scary promise. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Verse 24, But the, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Lord, I thank you for your word today. God, may we heed the warning that you give us in this passage. God, may, may we understand that even when problems are big, but you tell us to go, may we go. May we go full forward, full throttle. God, may we go wholeheartedly just as Caleb and Joshua did. May we not be afraid of the giants. Oh God, may you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 24 one more time there. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Church, we need a different spirit if we want to take the promised land. Just like Caleb. Caleb had a different spirit and that's what got him into the promised land. All the other Israelites who were 20 and above, they didn't make it in. But Caleb and Joshua made it in because they had a different spirit about them. A different spirit. You know, you hear the, the definition, anybody heard the definition of insanity before? It's doing the same thing over and over again and thinking that the results are going to change. Right? But sometimes I, maybe we've got a little bit of insanity as a church. We do the same thing over and over and over again, and we, we hope that we can reach more people. We hope we can do do some things. But I believe that if we want to. Uh, you know, do the vision, chase after the vision that God has for us, that we're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to have a different spirit about us if we want to go into the promised land. See, Caleb and Joshua, they were tired of doing the same thing. They were tired. I mean, this whole trip so far, we've already seen this. is the third time the Israelites are saying, could we just go back? Could we just go back? Could we just go back to captivity? Could we just go back to slavery where we had food? Could we just go back? And he's saying, guys, that's not working. We've been stuck in Egypt for over 400 years now. It is time to press on. It's time to do something different. And they said, we can take the promised land. I promise you, we can, we can take the promised land. But if we never go in, if we never try, we're never going to get different results. We're just going to keep being slaves in Egypt all of our lives, and our kids' lives, and our grandkids' lives, and generation after generation, we're just going to continue to be slaves unless we go forward, unless we have a different Spirit. And I believe we've got to have a different spirit if we want to take this promised land, if we, want to, if we want to take our city, if we want to take our communities, we need a different spirit. Now, I can't imagine how hard it was for Joshua and Caleb in this scene that we just read in Numbers 13 and 14. That it had to be really difficult for them to get up. And uh, first off, they disagreed with the 10 other people in, in their spy group. Right? They they come in and say, Hey, don't listen to those other ten people that we just spent the last 40 days with. Listen to us. Right? And then all of Israel rejects them and says, No, we're not going to follow you. So then they go back and they pray. And at this point, they could have given in to the pressure. They could have, they they could have sat there and said, All right, well, we're we're outnumbered, you know, thousands to just two of us. Maybe we should give up. Maybe we should just give in. But you know what? A different spirit is going to be counter to culture. It's going to be counter-cultural. A different spirit is going to be counter-cultural. And, and so they prayed, and, and they said, no, God told us to take this land, let's stand up, let's tell them again. So they gave it up, and they give their rah-rah speech. They say, hey, our God is greater. We're going to go through, we're going to make it through. But then culture this time said, all right, let's kill them, because they aren't getting the picture. And they could have given up then. They could have retreated. They could have said, you know what? Uh, we'll just, can't beat them, join them. But they didn't do that. They continued to press on. And because they had a different spirit, God let them into the promised land, even when nobody else did. When they all died off, they had to go into the wilderness for 40 years and wander around. Joshua and Caleb were among them. But they lived, and God allowed them to, to lead. Here you've got you know, a couple 80-year-old guys leading at the most 40-year-old people into the promised land in Joshua and Caleb but but they had to be countercultural to do that and i believe that if we want to take our city for Jesus right we need a different spirit we need to be countercultural we can't just give in and just do what everybody else sees because our world isn't going in the right direction so we shouldn't follow them right we should go a different direction we need to follow God so what does a different spirit look like What does it mean to have a different spirit? Uh, Today, I want to show you four different points from the text that show us what a different spirit looked like in Caleb and looked like in Joshua. So the first one of that is this. A different spirit is full of vision. A different spirit is full of vision. How many of you know we can all look at the same thing? right? We can all look at the same picture. We can look at the same issues. But we can all see it different ways. Right. For example, um, maybe you've seen this floating around on social media. Uh, you look up there and you, you see, uh, they're all seeing the same picture here. It's a cup half full of water, right? The optimist says, that cup's half full. It's a half full. The pessimist says, that cup's half empty. Uh, keep going, the realist just says, it's just a glass of water. That's, just, that's all it is. The, the physicists, they look at that and they say, well, the top half is full of gas and the bottom half is full of liquid. The surrealist likes to get creative. They see something totally different. Uh, the relativist says it is both half full and half empty. Both are true at the same time. The, the utopist says that uh, they live in a different world, so they, they see things upside down, I guess. The skepticist says unless I touch it and unless I taste it, how do I know it's actually water? It could be something else in there. And the artist, they don't care. They just stick their paintbrush in it. Right? So we all see things differently. We can see the same thing, we can look at the same things, but we see it differently. See, the 12 spies, they all looked at the same thing. They walked into that land. They all saw the the fortified cities. They all saw the height of the enemy. They all saw the the land that it was fruitful, that it was good. They all saw the, the big old grapes that they were carrying. They all saw the land and how it was flowing with milk and honey. Nobody would argue that. They all looked at the same thing. But you know what? They saw different things. They came away with different reports. right? They came away with different interpretations of what they looked at. When the Israelites saw all that was there, when they looked at it, they saw problems. That's what stood out to them. Oh, guys, we can't go in there because you know what we saw? We saw problems. Big city, tall city. You should see Jericho over there. The walls are so big. You should see the descendants of Anak and their their giants. And they saw problems. But when Joshua and Caleb, they, they looked at the same lands, you know what they saw? Possibilities. They saw possibilities. They saw hey, look at this ground. Look at how fertile it is. Man, God has promised us a great land. This is going to be, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to, my house is going to be right over there. Your house is going to be, I'm going to take this land. You're going to, they saw possibilities. It's kind of like one of those, uh, like a fixer upper house, right? You walk in there and uh, maybe the, you know, one spouse is just like, wow, we aren't getting this thing. There's too many problems. Look at that structural issue. We can't do it. And the other spouse sitting there like, oh, no, this has got good bones. You know, this, this has got possibility. There's no problem here. They looked at the same thing, but they saw different things, right? And that's what was happening with Joshua and Caleb. That's what was happening with, with them versus the spies. It, it's not what you look at. It. It's what you see. And church, if we want to take our city, right, if we want to reach our city for Jesus, then what do we see? How do we view it? When you, if you were to just go through our city today, if you were to go through our community, as you do, you know, drive around it, go to the grocery store, go to the gas station, uh, you know, whatever it might be, go to work. Uh, what, what's your conversation like? What do you see? Oftentimes, we're negative people, and we see a lot of problems, right? We see, oh, man, Did you see the price of gas lately? Uh You know, man, did you, that person checking me out, they were so rude, you know, uh, the potholes in the sea, oh man, I can't believe, you know, we can go through and we can just look at all the problems. It's so tempting to just look at the problems. But now if you would go do the same thing and, and imagine Jesus was with you and you were giving him a ride. If Jesus looked at the same things you looked at every day, what would he see? Would he just complain along with you? Or would he see the possibilities? Would he see, man, this is, this is land God's promise. This, this is good. This is, there, there's, there's some possibilities here that we can unlock, that we can reach. I, I think we would start looking at things a lot differently if we looked at them through Jesus' lenses. So what do we see? What do we see? We all look at the same things, but what do we see? Do we see problems or do we see possibilities? Do we see problems or do we see God's promises? What do we see? And and here's the thing that that as we see problems and all of that, it's kind of like we're looking back. The Israelites, they were looking back. They were just saying, man, Egypt's really nice. Egypt's really nice. And how many of you know it's really hard to go forward while you're looking backwards? It's very difficult. Our, our one-year-old James, he likes to, he thinks it's really funny to take a blanket, throw it over his head, and run. <laughs> it's just like, it's really cute, but it's also dangerous. You know, he just, boom, right into the wall. And he's laughing, you know, all this stuff. But he didn't get to where he wanted to go, because he couldn't see. And some of us, we say, yeah, we want to we go into God's vision, but we're looking back. And we don't know where we're going. We're just walking, and we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to get there. We're going to run into some walls. We're going to run into some bumps if all we're doing is looking back. And if we want to have a different spirit, then we've got to have a vision that looks forward, that looks at the possibilities and not the problems. That's what God's telling us. This is what a different spirit's full of. That's what Joshua and Caleb were full of. They were, they were looking ahead. They say, guys, don't, don't worry about what's behind. Don't worry about the problems. Let's look at the possibilities. Let's look at what God's promised us. So how's your vision today? Is your spirit full of vision? Second thing. Second thing a different spirit is full of. A different spirit is full of faith. It's full of faith. It's not full of fear. You know, faith is believing in what we cannot see. And while Joshua and Caleb, they couldn't see God, they did see his faithfulness over the last two years. They saw his faithfulness as as he rescued them. captivity in Egypt. They saw his faithfulness to provide manna, to provide quail, to provide his presence. They they saw his faithfulness, and they believed that God could help them defeat even the most difficult enemies. They believed that his faithfulness would continue as they entered into the land of the giants, as they entered and and tried to take these fortified cities. See, they believed that when you are on God's side, that you win every single time. They believed that. They were confident in it. The ten spies, on the other hand, it said that they were gripped by fear. Joshua and Caleb were sitting over here, guys, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of all the problems that they're telling you. But but the ten spies, they were like, no, be afraid. Be very afraid. Those people are big. Those people. And and they said, oh, those people are, are of great size. It said all the people. All the people we saw were of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They were afraid. And how many of you know, what's interesting is they started exaggerating. They said, all the people are of great size. Everyone's big. And in fact, they're so big, we look like little grasshoppers. How many of you know that's an exaggeration? Otherwise, the people would have been like through the roof. But you know what? Fear grows. Fear grows. Fear exaggerates. Exaggerates. Fear makes the enemy grow. Do we have a spirit full of fear today? Or do we have a spirit full of faith? The two spies, again, Joshua and Caleb, they said, don't be afraid of them. Don't don't worry about them. Because Joshua and Caleb were more concerned about the size of their God rather than the size of the enemy. They said, our God is bigger than any enemy that we're going to face. Our God is bigger. Our God is greater. Stop looking at the enemy and how much bigger than they are than us, and let's start looking at our God and how much bigger he is than our enemy. There is no problem too small for God. There's no problem too big for our God. So where do you think you would have fell if you were back there in this day? Right? Would you have been one of the ten spies that said, "Uh, oh, we can't do it? Or you've been one of the two spies that says, no, let's do this. Let's, let's have faith. Let's believe. Let's believe. You know, I'd like to put myself in the Joshua and Caleb camp. But I, I, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I, I, I wonder. Because our default response as humanity seems to be fear rather than faith. And A lot of times, how many times have we, have we thought, God, I look like a, a grasshopper compared to what I'm up against. My problems are so big, and we can spend so much time focusing on the problem. God, my problems, they're, they're so big. I'm just being crushed, just like a little bug. A- anybody ever just crushed a bug with your shoe just because? Right? Okay, I'm not the only one in here. Uh, one of my favorite bugs to just randomly crush, uh, since we're on the topic. <laughs> I don't see them so much around here, but uh, growing up as a kid, we just, in our backyard every night, was full of lightning bugs. Some of you may call them fireflies. That's what my wife calls them. Um, but yeah, lightning bugs. And it was cool. You know, they just light up. And uh, so I'd go out in the backyard with a baseball bat and, and just wait until it lit up. And man, it was fun. And it was fun. You, you take one and you throw it on the ground. And if you stomped on it and, and, and spread it, like, the ground just like lit up. It was really cool. They were, they were fun to crush. And sometimes, sometimes our problems kind of feel like that. Sometimes our problems seem so big, it's just like, what are you doing? You don't even have to crush me. It's unnecessary. It's merciless, but it's just like you're crushing me just to see what color I'm gonna turn. When you, you get, you know, maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's a person that doesn't like you at work. You know, maybe whatever it might be that's coming against you, it just feels like they are crushing you and it's merciless. And that's how the Israelites were viewing their enemy. We're just like grasshoppers, they're just gonna stomp on us. Let me tell you, when you stomp on a grasshopper, that's crunchy, right? And they're just—they're just, they're just going to stomp on us, and it's going to—we're going to—we're going to splat. We have got no chance. But Joshua and Caleb were saying, "No, no, no! Look at the size of our God. Com- compared to our God, our problems—they're the grasshoppers, right? They're like little ants. And, and and God has no problem destroying our problems and our enemies. And guess what? Every time that we're on God's side, we win." We win. So what can we, What do we need to be afraid of? We don't have to be afraid. We can have faith because we serve our God. You know, when we look at the mission field in front of us, when we look at our city, when we look at the people that we know, when we see the 3.4 billion people in the world who don't know Jesus, who have never heard an adequate presentation of the gospel, that task can seem illogical. It can see impossible. That task can, can seem like a giant. Can seem like a giant when we see that coworker who's so adamantly against God or against the church, and he lets everyone know about it. The task can seem too difficult. The problem can seem so big. How how are we going to do this? But if we want to take the land that God has promised us, then we need to have the faith that God is bigger than any challenge, than any problem that we're going to encounter. So is your spirit full of faith today? Is it full of faith? Third thing, a different spirit is full of obedience. It's full of obedience. It says that Caleb, in that verse 24, 14, 24, follows me wholeheartedly. He follows me wholeheartedly. See, Caleb had a choice. He could follow the crowd or he could follow God. Those were his options. Follow the crowd or follow God. And following God was not an easy choice. Again, it was against culture. It was against the the path of least resistance. But each time he chose to obey God rather than man. And he was tested many times. The first time he got up and gave the report, he could have just stayed quiet once he got shut down. But he got up there again and said, no. No, guys, you got to listen. we got to follow God. He, he followed God. And even when they, they rose up to stone him, he continued to follow God wholeheartedly. And how many of you know when we're faithful with a little, God gives us more? When we're faithful with a little, God gives us more. See, Caleb was selected. To, it was a great honor. He was one of 12 people in the whole nation who got to go spy out the land. And because he was faithful with that, in God's eyes, God gave him more. He said that you're going to be one of two people that goes into the promised land. You're going to be one of two people that takes the land. You're going to be a leader. I'm going to give you more. And I love, if you continue reading on In Caleb's story, we we find him again after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, going back into the promised land, getting it right this time, and they go and they start conquering places. Uh, There's a time in there in Joshua chapter 14, definitely read it if you get the chance. Caleb's now an 85-year-old guy. And uh, they're they're going going into uh, one of the regions that, that's where, of all of the people in that land, that's where the giants lived. That's where the sons of Anak lived. And uh, that was the hill country. And he looks at Joshua, who was the leader of Israel at that time, and he says, Joshua, 85-year-old Caleb says this, I want that land. I want the hardest land. Like, let me do it. I still feel as young today as I did 45 years ago. And my God is still just as big back then, or today, as he was back then. And he says, I'm going to go in, I'm going to take the most difficult land with the biggest people and the biggest problems. 85-year-old Caleb did that. Remember, Caleb had a different spirit. And it was a spirit that was full of obedience. He says, I'm gonna finish the job that I started 45 years ago. And he goes in there, and he has success. And God gives him the land, and he takes down the giants. That was Caleb. Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. Church, if we wanna take the promised land, then we need to have a spirit of obedience. If God tells us to fight a battle at age 85... And we go. We, we do it. If God tells us to go after the toughest battle with the biggest problems and the biggest giants in there and we don't know what to do and we don't know where to start, we go. We do it. We, we do it because God asked us to and we need to be faithful. One of the stories that we didn't get to tell yet, and there's so many stories, but, but one of the stories I want to I take you back to Aberdeen Gospel Tabernacle in, in the 1940s. The the church had grown; it outgrown the basement church, and they were looking ahead to building the the J Street church, right? But but so many things got in their way. Uh, it, funds were held up by the war. Uh, they they had lawsuits coming against some zoning ordinances. All these different things that were again the week after they broke ground on it, their their lead pastor and associate pastor died in a plane crash. Uh, but in all these these struggles. All of a sudden, the church found a hard time securing a loan for the building. They, they couldn't find the finances to pull it off. You know, it was held up by so long. Didn't have enough funds to get a loan. So they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to turn. They didn't know, how is this going to, how are we going to get through? You know, God, how are you going to beat these giants? Now, I don't know exactly what it was like at that time, but I would think that their problems had to feel pretty crushing. They maybe felt like grasshoppers in the face of it all. But again, to get into the promised land, you need people who are full of a different spirit. And, and I'm sure that there were many people who had different spirits, but, but one story that I heard in this past week uh, was about uh, this guy. Pull it up here. This was one of those pictures we showed. His name, Marvin Ham. Some of you may recognize that one because uh, we've got some family members here today. But like Caleb, Marvin had a different spirit. It was a spirit of obedience, a spirit of faith, one that was countercultural. And when he saw the financial need, he decided to do something different. He was willing. He, he put up his family farm as collateral so the church could pull out a loan to build the J Street Church. Can you imagine that? Risking your family farm, your whole livelihood, because you said, You know what? God, I believe. I believe that you've got more in store for us. I I believe that a promised land's ahead, and I'm willing to risk it all. That's a spirit of faith. That's a spirit of obedience. That's a different spirit. See, it took a different spirit to enter the promised land. And I believe that God is looking at this generation, and he's looking for somebody who's got a different spirit. He's looking for a church who has a different spirit. He's looking for more Joshua's and Caleb's and Marvin Ham's of our world. Who is going to rise up? Who's going to say, yeah, I got that spirit. I got a spirit of faith. I got a spirit of obedience. I, I've, got a, I've got a spirit full of vision. So is that you today? Is your, your spirit full of obedience? Fourth thing. Last thing. A different spirit is full of good report. It's full of good report. See, Caleb came back, and he gave a good report. He said, the land is fruitful. It's fruitful. But the other spies, they came back, and they gave a bad report. They said, the land is difficult. The land's full of problems. How many of you know you got to be careful who you listen to? There's so many people who want to tell you the report out there today, right? There's so many people who want to tell you how it is, but we've got to be careful who we listen to. We need to surround ourselves with with more glass half full people than glass half empty people. Amen. Right? Anybody know any Debbie Downers out there? Right? Anybody know any of those naysayers out there? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because, you know, we're kind of going to go with the crowds. We're going to we're going to listen to the people around us. So who is in your inner circle? Are there people who are encouraging you who are building you up? Who said, man, God's promises are out there. There's possibilities. Or people who are around you saying, oh, look at all these problems. Look at all these issues. We can never do that. We can never do that. We can never do that. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? And maybe even a greater question for you is, is what kind of report have you been given? Right? If you don't know, tap your neighbor and ask them, you know, am I more of a problems or possibilities person? They'll let you know. See, we'll never take the promised land when we keep speaking death over everything. Well, we can never do that. Well, the uh, the problems are too big. It's going to take too much time. It's not worth it. We're never going to get into the promised land with that kind of attitude. We've got to be people of good report. People of good report. I I really enjoy watching uh, March Madness right? Any NCAA basketball fans out there? Uh, and, and it's fun because you start with these 64 teams, and you've got some really, really good teams, and then you've got those teams that just like, who are you? Why are you here? How did, how did you get in? And inevitably, one of those teams has the Cinderella story, and they make it almost all the way. To the, they never win it all, but I mean, they get real close, and everybody's really proud of them right? And uh, so it's a lot of fun watching these teams come from behind, and, 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 and they should have never been there, but then they take down the number one seed or, or something like that, and it's really, really great, and, and it's a lot of fun. And, but my, my thinking is, what would the halftime speeches look like in those rooms? Because the teams that get all the way to the end, the halftime speeches aren't like, all right guys, we're clearly outnumbered, we have no shot, we have no chance, they're bigger than us, they're faster than us. They're more athletic than us. Uh, we should go home, but we have to play. So, you know, have fun out there. <laughs> that would be the worst halftime speech ever. You know, rah, rah. No, I, I'm sure that they're sitting there saying, guys, they're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. But guess what? We got a chance, right? We can do this. If we work together, here's, here's a weakness we can exploit. We can get in there. And, and they're full of good report. They're not sitting there down there like, oh, we can't do it. Let's give up. Let's go. No, they're saying, guys, we got this. If we just believe, if we just have faith, right, we can push together. And and maybe they beat us nine times out of ten, but maybe this is our one time out of ten, right? And and they get down there and, and they say, hey, let's have a good report. And if we want to take the promised land, we've got to be people of good report. We may look like underdogs to the world, but in God's eyes, he... We're always victorious because we're on His side. We've got to believe that we can achieve the impossible. See, as we we look ahead to this vision, we need to be people of good report. We need to be people who can believe. We need to be people who look at the possibilities rather than the problems. We know there's giants in the land, but I believe that God wants to use us to do incredible things. I believe that God can use us to do the supernatural. I believe that God is going to use us to uh, speak life over people in our community. I believe that God is going to use us to heal the sick. I believe that that God is, is going to use us to restore families. I believe that God is going to use us to do the impossible. Why? Because he wants to give us a different spirit. He wants to give us his Holy Spirit to to use us in ways that we've never been used before. But church, we can never go there if we're stuck looking back. If we're we're stuck saying, ah, yeah, I don't know if God's big enough to do that. My problems are too big. No, we need to have a spirit of vision. We need to have a spirit of obedience. We need to have a spirit of faith, a spirit of good report. That's how we're going to be able to take the promised land. Because our focus is on the right things. You know who had the best different spirit out there? His name was Jesus. Jesus. You know, he, he had the right vision. He could have looked at humanity, you know, humanity that he had created, and he could have said, you guys messed this up too much. You know, you, you brought sin into the world. You destroyed my creation. He could have said, forget you. But he didn't look at all the problems. Instead, he looked at the possibilities. He said, yeah, but what if? What if we gave him a second chance? What if, what, what if all these things? So, so Jesus came to this world that he created, and he humbled himself. Right? And he lived a, a perfect life. I mean, talk about obedience. Jesus had a difference. He, he was full of obedience. He obeyed God wholeheartedly. In fact, he, he never disobeyed God, ever. We've all disobeyed God, but he never did. He lived a perfect life. Right? He was full of faith. He believed in humanity uh, even when he maybe shouldn't have. Because we wronged him so much. But, but again he lived that perfect life. And he was obedient to God. Even to the point of death. That he gave up his life. He gave up his life. So that he could give us the greatest news. And the greatest report ever. You see Jesus died. But three days later he rose again. And he defeated all the giants. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. So that we could have a second chance at life. So he could give us a new spirit. And in fact, uh, days after he rose from the dead, uh, it, it said that he, he breathed his Holy Spirit on his disciples. And when he left, he, he, he promised them the Holy Spirit. Church, I believe that God wants to give us his Spirit today. His Holy Spirit, his perfect Spirit. A Spirit that's full of vision. A Spirit that's, that's full of, of faith. A Spirit that's full of obedience. A Spirit that's full of good report. That's what God wants to give us today. So if you've never experienced salvation, if you've never experienced Jesus today, today can be your day. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. I'll make you the Lord of my life. Would you forgive me? I believe that God wants to do you. I believe he wants to fill you with his spirit. We need to be people of vision. We need to be people of faith. And, And what's amazing about that is people with a different spirit, people who follow God wholeheartedly, they get to enter the promised land. And I don't know about you, but I want to enter the promised land. I want to enter the promised land. We've, we've got a promised land here. We've got ground that I believe God wants us to take. But the ultimate promised land is heaven. And, and I want to enter that. But we've got to have a different spirit if we want to get into heaven. We've got to have Jesus' spirit. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. And so we need to do that today. So I, I'm just believing that God has, has great things in store for us. So would you stand with me today? I, I just want to pray with you. And uh, I, I believe that God wants to, to fill us with his spirit today. So I challenge you this week just to take some time to reflect on this message. To ask yourself, what kind of spirit is inside of me? God, what do you want to do inside of me? Take some time today just just to pray and to to say, God, where where do you need me to go? Where do you need me to grow in my walk with you? So let me pray for you today. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing uh, in our church what you're going to be doing in this community, and, and Lord, I, I pray today that you would give us a different spirit—spirit spirit like Joshua, a spirit like Caleb, a spirit like you, Jesus. Give us your spirit. Give us your Holy Spirit—one—one one that's willing to be countercultural, God. One that's willing to obey you rather than to obey man, God. One that's willing to have faith to see the possibilities and the promises rather than the problems, God. Give us vision to see things the way you see things. And God, may we encourage one another. God, may we encourage one another. Oh, may we not just bring people down and tell them all the the bad things that are out there, but God, may we see those possibilities and spread the good news. Spread the good news of Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. God, give us a new spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen.